You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. I love riddles. Uh, I don't know about you guys, I love riddles, tricks, uh, try to mind teasers, those mind games. As a, even as a kid, I loved them. Uh, we've taught them to my kids. Uh, one, one of the things, uh, one of the first things that Isaiah, our, our, uh, now 11, when he was three or four, we taught him this riddle. And he would tell it to everyone that he knew. And sometimes it wasn't always appropriate, but um, he would ta- say it. He'd say, what, will, what do you do if you find yourself stuck inside an elephant? Run around until you're all pooped out, right? It's a great riddle, um, but I love riddles. Even as a kid, I loved riddles. I remember this time we had a family friend named Derek. He was from Hawaii, and he came to visit us. Only time he ever came, and he came to visit us, and he'd never seen snow before. And it's the summer, but we live in Colorado, and so you can get to snow any, any time of the year. And so we were taking him up in the mountains, and, and he gave me a, this riddle. He shared this with the family. It says, a traveler comes to a fork in the road, which leads to two villages. In one village, the people always tell lies. And in the other village, the people always tell the truth. The traveler needs to conduct business in the village where everyone tells the truth. A man from one of the villages is standing in the middle of the fork, but there is no indication of which village he is from. The traveler approaches the man and asks him one question. From the villager's answers, he knows which road to follow. What did the traveler ask? So you might be trying to figure this out yourself. Maybe you've heard this before. Or maybe you're like, I'm great at riddles. I got this. And you're trying to contemplate, okay, if he asks him this, if he asks him that. Uh, this is how I was in the car, but I was also a little kid, and we're driving the mountains, and I got sleepy, and I fell asleep. Derek gave us the answer that, night, that day while I was asleep. 34 years later, I'm still tormented by this riddle. That maybe one of you guys will figure it out and be able to tell me. No, no, uh, actually, uh, for, for this whole time, I've never been able to figure this out. And I often think of it, uh, occasionally it'll pop in my mind and be like, wow, what would you ask the traveler? Or what's the traveler ask? And I get all confused and, and, and I try, and then, but I'm driving. Or I'm doing uh, something with my family and I can't look it up. And so finally, about a week ago, I remembered at a time when I wasn't busy, and so I, I stopped everything I was doing, and I Googled, and I did traveler villages, truth, I don't know, and hard riddle, and, and I got the answer, and I was, felt so wise, and I went and told my family, I was like, I got a riddle for you guys. And I said, this is a hard one. It took me 34 years to figure it out, and Google. And, and I shared it with them. Two minutes, Isaiah had the answer. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And so, but this riddle has flummoxed me. Yeah, so there's a dragonfly you're going to see. And um, if he attacks me, if you guys could come save me, it would be great. Uh, I didn't know this first hour, and then I can't, went out for the last worship song with everyone, and I saw him going around. I was like, I don't think anyone's paid attention to the single thing I've said for half an hour, because uh, we're doing that worship song, and all I could do was watch this guy. So um, th- I love riddles, right? Like, here's another one. What, uh, what day, how many days of the week start with the letter T? Hmm, you're thinking two, correct? Ah, oh, no. There's Tuesday, Thursday, tomorrow, and today. All right, here's another riddle. Um, no sooner broken, no sooner spoken than broken. What is it? Silence. Very good. All right. We got, we got some riddle people out there. And so we got these riddles, and they're just, the point is to try to trick someone. The point is to try to have something that shows I'm a little smarter than you, that I was able to figure this out, and I've got you stuck. 
for the next 30-some years. And, and so you have this idea. Yes, I'll, I will give you guys the answer later in case you're like, I need to Google that up. Um, just wait. Watch the dragonfly, and we'll get to it in a little bit. Um, but this idea that there's this riddle, and the joy of riddles is you got someone stuck. That in a way you can be just a little bit smarter than them. That you can be a little bit superior, that you have the answer and they don't. They're trying to figure it out. That's what we see in this little section of Mark. Is Jesus has made it to the temple and they are sending group after group after group trying to find these riddles. To find ways to stump Jesus. To be able to present to Jesus this idea that they come up with this idea, this crazy riddle and say, Jesus, figure this one out. All right, I got you. I got, I got it, Jesus. How about this? Oh, and they tell the other group, okay, okay, you watch. I got him. And they'll go and present a, a riddle to Jesus and with the hope of trying to show Jesus doesn't have all the answers. To, you know, effort to show, hey, we are smarter than this Jesus guy. Because these are the Pharisees, these are the Zealots, these are Herodians, these are the Sadducees. These are the religious leaders that people have been turning to for their guidance, for their wisdom, for their religious direction. And now, they're turning to Jesus. And that's not okay. Anyone in power that loses power will do whatever they can to cling to the power. And that's what we find this group. And so it's like those old wrestling matches where you have the tag team and someone's getting beaten down and Jesus would stump them and Jesus would show he's something smarter and they'd almost tag, all right, you're up. And they tag this new group. The Pharisees and the Herodians dislike each other, disagree on everything, and yet they're trying to tag each other, team up to beat Jesus. And so now they've tagged and we're in Mark chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it, bring up the app, we'll have it up on the screen, get your journal, however you want to go into this, that we'll see they have tagged. The Pharisees and the Herodians tried to trap Jesus last week. We saw their, their little trick about the taxes. Didn't work. So now they've tagged up to the Sadducees. The Sadducees are a group that we haven't seen yet in the book of Mark because Jesus hasn't made it to Jerusalem in the book of Mark. The Sadducees were con constrained to just Jerusalem because their role was to be the, the temple leaders. Their role was to oversee the, and the comings and goings in the temple. Their role was to be the wise counsel in the temple. The Sadducees were very different from the Pharisees um, in their doctrine. While they were still religious leaders, they were still people that, that people would go to, they viewed that the Old Testament, the only important books, the only books that were truly God's word is the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So they quickly dismayed anything from the wisdom literature. They, they put aside anything of the prophets. Any of those teachings they, they would not prescribe to, but they would just hold to this first five books, the books of Moses, it was called. And so the Sadducees were, were very different doctrinally. The Sadducees were a wealthy group. They were hereditary. Uh, they were uh, of the priestly line. They were a group that was set apart that you would look up to. With their focus on these five books, they were known for their focus. They were known for their wisdom of Scripture, that they, that they understood they had all these five memorized and they could tell you backwards and forwards everything that you find in these five books of the Bible. They were held high and high esteem because of their knowledge. And because of that knowledge, they, then that limitation to these five books, they had an alternate doctrine in a couple of ways. One, they didn't believe in angels. 
And they, two, they didn't believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. And so they didn't believe in the resurrection. And so this is their doctrine. This is their idea. And so you're going to see a very interesting riddle that they have for Jesus. A riddle that's just this mythical, made-up, crazy story that they don't even believe in just because they've been tagged, and now it's their turn to try to trick Jesus. So chapter 12, starting at verse 18, says, Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, that man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. This was a law of Moses. The idea behind this was to protect the family line and to protect the woman. You see that if a man was to have uh, die before he gave birth, before his wife gave birth, there would be no heir, no extension of his name. The family farm would, would no longer be in that family. And so there was this idea, this is how immorality continued uh, in that time. This is how the, fairs, how the Sadducees see immorality because there is no resurrection You just continue to live through childbearing, through the generation after generation. But this law also protected the woman, because if a woman was to become a widow and no one would take her in, no one would marry her, then she would be cast aside. She'd be treated as a second-class citizen. She'd end up being a beggar and destitute. And so this idea was to protect both the family line and the woman. And so a brother would then bring that woman into his life. She would be a second wife if he's already married. And if they had a child, that child would be officially the heir to the first brother, would take on that brother's name, would take on that brother's land, would take on that brother's generational stepping down. And so this is what they've presented. They say, you know about this teacher to Jesus. Verse 20 says, now there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died, leaving no child. It was the same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Now, if your brother number four or five, I'd be out. I'd be like, no, you've killed off four of my brothers. Is, I think I'm sensing a trend. And so, and especially if she's like, hey, I, I made you some tea. No thanks. I'll pass. All right? And so, but the point is, this is an insane story. What's the chances that seven brothers, none of them can have kids, all of them die, and she just keeps marrying down the line? And then it's a crazy made-up story, but it's even more crazy when you think it's the Sadducees sharing this, saying, in the resurrection, whose wife is she going to be? They don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in this at all. For them, this really is more of a question of childlessness. For them, they're saying, how is the family going to go on? How would, how would their generations continue? And, and so this, this story is just crazy made up by the Sadducees, one they don't even believe in. They're just trying to trap Jesus to make him look bad, to present him this riddle that somehow shows that they're smarter than he is. And Jesus shows them different. Verse 24 says, Jesus replied, are you not an heir are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? 
at this, the temple. He's teaching the temple. There's a great crowd, a crowd of normal people that are believe that he's the Messiah, a crowd that knows who the Sadducees are, know that they're the wisest of the wise, knows that they are deep in, in understanding Scripture. And Jesus says this, do you not know the Scriptures or the power of God? And I can just picture the whole crowd taking a deep breath. Did you just call out the Sadducees? Did you just say they don't know the scripture? Of anyone here, Jesus, they know the scripture the best. How can you call them out and say, do they not know the scripture? But the reality was they knew the scripture in their head, but they didn't know it in their heart. They didn't apply it. They they were quick to read, they were quick to memorize, but they didn't understand it. How often is that the case with us? Right, that, that we read something in the scriptures and, and we don't understand it. And instead of striving to understand, we just kind of move on. Figure out, oh, that's the, one of the confusing parts. And let me go read another story. That we don't try to dig in and see, what does this mean? And more importantly, what does this mean for me? How should I change to be more like Jesus when I read about the story about what he says? In our small group on Wednesday night, uh, we had shared about this, and I shared this very thing that, that I'm pretty good at, at reading and doing, crossing off a checklist, whether it's the Bible or for school or, or for whatever that might be. But where I really struggle is go from the facts to applying it to my life. To go from reading a biography uh, about a president and then saying, okay, what leadership, leadership lesson could I learn and, and apply in my own world, in my own family? to read from the Bible and not just have a check mark, not just know, gain more knowledge, but to actually see what do I need to do to change because of what I read. And so often we're quick to, to say if we got our devotions, hey, I did it. But maybe it's more important than reading a certain chapter, reading through the Bible in a year, but to read one verse and apply it could mean more. The Sadducees didn't know the scripture They knew it mentally, but not in their hearts. And he says, do you not know the scriptures or the power of God? They don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in angels. They base their their whole foundation on these five books. And he's saying, don't you see the power of God? In those five books, we see the Red Sea parted. In those five books, we see food come down for 40 years and feed the people. In those five books, we see God creating man. In those five books, we see God breathing and speaking and light came. In those five books, we see the world created. Look at the power of God and you're going to put restrictions on him saying that he couldn't raise people from the dead. Saying that we want to spend eternity with him in heaven saying that there are no angels. You're putting these restrictions. You don't understand the power of God. And I look at this, and I think what would Jesus say to us? Sometimes you don't know the scriptures. You're not applying them. Sometimes you're not grasping the power of God. That we get caught up and we feel like we're beaten by this world. That we've just been served a, a, rough, a rough path or, or the news is so heavy or there's so much stress and anxiety. Life is just hard and we miss. We have this amazing source of power. The same power that separated the sea, the same power that fed the Israelites, the same power that created the world is this power that we can tap into, that we can pray to. 
that we can speak to God. And so I wonder if he's not just saying this to the Sadducees, but if he was here today, would he say this to me, to you? Do you not know the scriptures? Do you not know the power of God? When we watch on the Weather Channel and a hurricane comes, you see the, the trees going and you see the storms and the rain. You see the weathermen trying to fight to stand firm. And, and I think I comprehend a hurricane, right? I think I know what it's like by watching this. But it wasn't until we had moved to Taiwan and we were stuck in several hurricanes. In, in that ocean, they're called typhoons, but a, a typhoon was coming and the first one was there. And it, it just seemed like a rainstorm is what we thought in our mind because I'd seen it on TV and thought, it's going to be okay. And so we had to go from our house to the school to, to get food and there's one section that was not covered on our walk. It was about the width of this stage. And so we geared up, we were on that side, uh, we got, I got Isaiah, uh, and Sarah got Abby, we covered them, and we had our little stroll, and we took off running, and the storm was coming, and the rain was coming down, and, and we got to the other side, and we walked into the school. In that short distance, the rain was so heavy that our clothes were soaked down to our underwear. The kids' diapers had to be changed. It was that wet. From then on, every time we'd go to school for a meal, we'd wear our swimsuits during a typhoon. And so we'd just fully embrace it and, and dry off when we got to the school. But it wasn't until I was in a hurricane did I fully understand the power. It's the same for us. If it's not until we're in the midst of God's power do we fully grasp it. And you would think the Sadducees would have been in um, the midst of the power of God. That they're residing in the temple in God's holy place. And they've missed it. They've missed it and it's standing there right before them in the form of Jesus. Do you not know the scriptures? Do you not know the power of God? He then begins to give them an answer. Verse 25 says, When the dead arise... Note that first word, when. He's right there laying it out to the Sadducees who don't believe in the resurrection, who don't believe in the afterlife, when the dead rise. It's not an if. It's not a maybe. It will happen. It is happening. When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. See how he interwines another fallacy in their doctrine? They'll be like the angels. And he makes it clear that there are angels. And, and when it says be like, it's not that we will be angels, but that we will be uh, spiritual beings and that we will be praising God. That all the verses that we read in Revelation and, and that Jesus shares about what the kingdom of God is like, that we will be in heaven and we will be proclaiming our love and our worship and our passion for Jesus Christ, for God above but this is what we'd be looking forward to. And so he says at that time, it's not, uh, either you will not be married or give, be given in marriage. It's not about these seven brothers that have all married this woman. It doesn't matter. It does not matter who that woman's married to because she's not going to care. And neither are those brothers. And I know that sounds harsh and it's hard to say, well, wait a second. What do you mean, what, what do you mean we're, we're not going to be given in marriage? And, and I love Sarah. I always have, we've been married 20 years and been and together about 26, and, and I am so happy to be married. Whenever I fill out those doctor forms and it has a section married and you're supposed to say yes or no, I just write in happily, because I am, and, and I also write a lot of other weird things on those doctor forms, but, um, but I am so happily married. 
It's the greatest thing in my life is being married to her. But I tell you what, as much joy as it brings me, it brings me that joy in this fallen, broken world. If I was to take that much joy of our marriage and multiply it by 100, it would be nothing compared to being in heaven and being around God. The greatest thing is going to be what we have to look forward to. And so he's saying that doesn't matter if you're married or not. This is the riddle, nor the point of whose wife is she. The point is the resurrection, that she would be in the presence of God. He continues on, verse 26. Now about the dead rising, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. These guys have it memorized, remember? And he's saying, have you not read this? It's like, come on, guys. Look what it says. These are not past tense. I, w- I'm, I was not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, it is I am the God of Isaac, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That they are living. And, they, and it's very clear, those guys have died, but they have been resurrected, and God is still actively their God. I love that because think about that. What do we know of time? We know that there's a finite end for us. At some point, I'm going to die. I don't know when that is. I hope not, not anytime soon, but there will come an end to my time here on earth. But my relationship with God is infinite. My relationship with God will continue on and long after my final day, my final breath here on earth, he will be my God and he will be your God and that he is the God of, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they, he is still their God as they are with him in heaven. It says he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. How encouraging is that? Now, this relationship you have with God that you have right now is going to be a, a million times better in heaven, but just as important, it's going to continue on. For all of eternity, this relationship you have with God. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. He's saying, if so if, if Jesus hasn't died and rose, then what do we have to have faith in? Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only the life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be pitied. They should have pity for us because we're wasting our faith in this idea that Jesus rose. And if he didn't, we're foolish and we've lost our way. But verse 20 says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead come also through a man. For it is in Adam we all die, so as in Christ we will all be made alive. We are made alive. We have this resurrection. So this is what Jesus is saying. As these Sadducees come and try to trick him, try to show that they're smarter than him. He's saying, You've lost your focus. You have a resurrection. Look at this. You have eternity with God. 
God doesn't stop being the patriarch's father after they're dead. He's a father that goes on for eternity. So I presented to you a riddle at the beginning. Some of you have just been thinking about that and missed everything I've said for 15 minutes. And I get that. That's all right. Because it's a hard riddle. 34 years. It's flummoxed me. I haven't paid attention to a thing I've said for 34 years because I've been thinking about this, right? The traveler asked, which road, this is the answer. The traveler asked, which road goes to your village? He would, he would take, he would then take the road the villager pointed to because a truthful person would point towards the truthful village. And the liar would also point to the truthful village, since he is the liar, and therefore could not point to his own village. Which village is the source of truth? As we come to this end, (laughs) Jesus is presenting this idea of resurrection, and there's two places. There's the source of truth, there's the source of God's resurrection, there's the source where we will be with God, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with Jesus with the believers and the saints and the angels, and we will be there praising God. And then there's the other village. There's hell. Eternity away from God. Eternal torment. And as we see this story, Jesus lays it out to these Sadducees. There is a resurrection. And you guys need to get right with it. As you look at this story of the Sadducees, I think about their struggles. And Jesus called them out, do you not know the scriptures? Do you not know the power of God? And it's so often more than I'd like to admit, I look at these stories and I think, oh, is he talking to me? Is he talking to you? Do I know the scriptures in my heart? Am I applying them? Am I making them impact who I am? Am I changing what I'm doing so I can be more like God because of what I read in his word? Do I fully grasp the power of God? Do I grasp the one that can answer our prayers? The one that set the people, the the Israelites free, the one that created the world is also the one that wants to have a relationship with you and I. The one that is the Holy Spirit inside us, guiding us, comforting us, directing us. The power of God. Do we fully grasp that? This morning, if you'll stand with me, I'm just going to pray over you, but also over me, (laughs) over the worship team. For each one of us, the, the little sad you see inside us that's missing the meaning of Scripture. It's missing the power of God. Just pray that our eyes would be open. God, I pray for each one of us. God, that, that if we are a, a bit of a sad you see, that if we are missing the truth in your word, God, reveal it to us and help us be able to apply it. Help us understand Help us, help us be able to dive into your word and, and not just say, oh, that's a hard part and skip over it, but, but to struggle through the hard and be able to apply it in our life. And God, I, I pray as you say, do you not know the power of God? Let us see your power. Let us be a living, walking testimony of who you are, of your power, of your strength, of the greatness of God. God, let us be able to proclaim the power of the resurrection. Because it wasn't just conquering death, 
It was conquering sin. It was conquering Satan. It was conquering all my sins, all the sins of each person here. God, it was bringing forgiveness. It was bringing salvation. It was bringing eternity in the village of truth. It was giving us hope. It was giving us faith. It was giving us so much more. And God, let us hold on to that power of God that freed us from the bondage of sin. We lift this up in your name.